This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Trash Talk with TK. I'm TK Tom Kelly. As the Eagles win once again, they move to 13-1 and on the season after a 25-20 victory over the Chicago Bears in the Windy City on Sunday afternoon. And, you know, this game wasn't pretty. It wasn't the dominant performance that I and and many others expected out of the Philadelphia Eagles, but they got the job done. And at this time of year, that's really all that matters. I mean, you would love to be dominating teams as the Eagles did the last couple weeks against Tennessee, against the New York Giants, but wins are hard to come by in the NFL. And even late in the season, a team like the Bears, those guys on on that other side, I mean, they're playing for jobs. They might not be playing for a postseason spot. But they're playing for jobs. And this is a game where we talked about trap game. We talked about, you know, some of the factors coming in. Obviously, last week, a lot of the conversation focused on the Cowboys and Micah Parsons and some of the comments that he made. Maybe the Eagles would lack focus coming into this game. I don't think that was the case. Like, I don't think this was a situation where the Eagles were looking past the Chicago Bears. Um, I'll give the Bears some credit. I thought they played hard. Uh, especially on the defensive side of the football. They gave the Eagles some problems. We'll talk a little bit about the game plan as well and, and what the Eagles could have done differently in that respect. But I still come away impressed. And I think, you know, y- you never want to play a subpar football game, obviously. You know, you want to play your best at all times. But I do think there is a level of value as the Eagles get ready for the postseason as they get ready to hopefully make a run to the Super Bowl in Arizona, to play in these sorts of games, you know, to play in these types of games where you do need to gut it out a little bit and you're not going to have your best stuff and you're not going to have your best performances. I do think there is a certain level of value in being able to gut out a victory like this. And the Eagles really did. I mean, huge at the end of the first half, Jalen Hurts, who didn't have his best day, uh, a really good read. Uh, Nick Sirianni would, uh, well, declined, I guess, to explain after the game what happened on that first touchdown run of Jalen Hurts, whether that was a cold play, whether that was an improvised play by Hurts, but there's no doubt, regardless, Jalen Hurts saw that play beautifully. I mean, he saw it perfectly. There was a safety blitz coming. Uh, Jalen knew exactly where it was going and essentially just took the ball the opposite side, the middle of the field wide open, scampers in about 20 yards for the score. Eagles go up 10-6, and that was a real critical moment 
in this game to kind of give them a lead, give them a little bit of security. And in the second half, finally, you got the offense going a little bit. A.J. Brown, a really big day. Obviously, that 68-yard catch to set up the Eagles' final touchdown was an absolutely massive play. Um, but, But a good, gutty performance. And I thought, once again, uh, the defense played really well, and I do think, you know, this is impressive nevertheless, even though the Eagles didn't play their best game, there's something to be said for winning on a day when you're not your best. So overall, I thought a good win for the Eagles. Now let's talk about Jalen Hurts a little bit and the day that he had, because certainly not Jalen's best performance. Obviously, for the majority of this season, he has played at an MVP caliber level. Uh, he didn't play like that yesterday, and I think, you know, that's something to be expected. I think we've gotten a little spoiled at this point with Jalen the way that he has played, certainly the way he protected the football. That was the one thing that Jalen did yesterday that I thought was uncharacteristic. You know, two turnovers and two pretty bad turnovers. The second one looked like it may have been a miscommunication with Quez Watkins. It looked like he expected Quez to continue running. Uh, Quez kind of stopped and the safety picked it off. The first one was just a terrible decision. And Jalen would be the first one to tell you that after the game. Now, he did say uh, the weather affected his abilities out there to throw the football a little bit. And when Jalen Hurts says something like that, you take it at face value. I mean, this is not a guy who's prone to make any excuses. And I don't think I don't think that was his intention this time either to make excuses for the way that he performed or the way that he played. Um, but there's no doubt. I mean, it was cold. It was cold as hell out there. Uh, every player pretty much said it after the game. He's having trouble gripping the ball. Um, I don't know how much that played into that pick. That was just a, a really poor decision on Jalen's part. But turn the ball over a couple times. That's going to happen. But what I was most impressed by was the way he was able to stay in the game. And that's something that you love about Jalen Hurts. And again, like, I always kind of hate, I'm kind of tired of comparing everything back to the former quarterback, Carson Wentz. But it's hard not to. You know, that's our frame of reference. Carson Wentz has an interception like that early in a game, and you could lose, like, you could lose that guy mentally for the rest of the day. With Jalen, that's just not going to happen. Like, he is not going to let what happens earlier in the game affect him later, whether it's good or bad. And obviously got off to a slow start, but as the game went on, kind of settled in and and made some big throws. I mean, you look at the receivers, both Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown have really big days yesterday. Um, You know, A.J. Brown, obviously the huge catch in the fourth quarter. Jalen missed him in the first half on what should have been a touchdown throw down the sideline as well. But... Uh, those receivers came up big. Devontae, I think Devontae Smith has been one of the more underrated receivers in the league this year. And I think part of it is he gets overshadowed by A.J. Brown. You know, he gets overshadowed by these big performances A.J. Brown has. Even yesterday, A.J. has the bigger numbers. But Devontae made some huge plays yesterday, especially in the first half, especially early when the passing game was struggling a little bit. But Jalen, to be able to hang in there, and persevere, and end up, I mean, this offense still ends up putting up 25 points in that game, in a game where they didn't play particularly well. I mean, we would look at this and say, it wouldn't be in the top half of offensive performances that the Philadelphia Eagles have had this year, yet you're still able to put up 25 points, uh, a a pretty pretty reasonable result, and the result you got to be somewhat happy with. But I will say, like, 
and I know this is something that will probably bother a significant amount of Eagles fans, but one of the big discussion points we have had over the last few weeks has been Jalen Hurts and whether or not he's the MVP of the league. And in my mind, as much as I respect Jalen Hurts and as much as I was happy with the way he was able to keep his composure and stay in there despite struggling, this is a prime example of why Jalen Hurts is not the MVP of the league. Like This is a prime example of why he is not the MVP. In the first half, you can have criticisms about the Eagles and their play calling and their decision making. And certainly, I thought they could have mixed up the plays a little more. I thought they could have run the ball more. But, you know, when you have the MVP of the league, you want the ball in his hands as much as possible. Like, you want to throw the ball. And, and when people are, 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 you know, freaking out about the Eagles not running the ball, and again, I understand the need for balance. I understand the need to keep a defense honest to a degree. Yet at the same time, when you have a player of that caliber, you don't want to take the ball out of his hands. You know, and, and the Eagles didn't in, in, in always either because Jalen was also part of the running game as well. But I very I, I doubt there are many games where Chiefs fans or Bengals fans are screaming to run the ball more because they want the ball in their quarterback's hands. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, like these are guys who you want the ball in their hands every single play. And as good as Jalen is, and I think Jalen has played this season like an MVP candidate, and like a top five quarterback, I mean, top 10 at absolute worst quarterback in the NFL, he's not at the level of those guys. He's just not. And that's okay. Like, that's not that's not being critical of Jalen Hurts. That's not saying Jalen Hurts isn't a very good quarterback. You're talking about two of the best in the league. You're talking about Patrick Mahomes, who might be the most talented quarterback we have ever seen. And that's why Jalen's not the MVP. It doesn't mean he's not having a great season, but the Chiefs need Patrick Mahomes every single week. Like, they need Patrick Mahomes to throw for a ton of yards. They need Patrick Mahomes to be their entire offense. The Eagles don't necessarily need that. And I think when you look and, and you see people complaining about the offensive approach and they want the ball essentially taken out of Jalen's hands, that kind of shows you that he's, in some regards, less valuable than those guys. And it's not that he's bad. It's not that he's, he's not extremely valuable still, but he's not at the level of those two players. And that's why, I, hey, I've said for weeks, Patrick Mahomes would be my MVP. That has not changed. I know they struggled a little with Houston yesterday, uh, struggled a lot with Houston yesterday. But Patrick Mahomes is my MVP. Joe Burrow's probably number two, and Jalen's number three, which is still pretty damn good uh, in comparison to all the players in the NFL. But again, that's part of the reason why I just think, you know, people might be overvaluing, a little, not even overvaluing, but overrating Jalen a little bit in the throwing regard and, and where he stacks up in the MVP conversation because the Eagles do rely on a balanced offense. They don't rely on Jalen to do everything. They rely on him to do a lot, but they don't rely on him to do as much as the Chiefs rely on the homes for or the Bengals to rely on Joe Burrow for as well. So I think as far as the offense goes, that kind of puts a bow on that. Now, you look at the defense, and I thought the defense was tremendous yesterday for the most part. Obviously, they gave up some points late. Man, I give Justin Fields a lot of credit, man. The Eagles were beating him up. That kid just hung in there. He's going to be a really good quarterback. He's already extremely talented. He's still got uh, a bit of a ways to go in terms of 
of rounding out his game as a, a full quarterback, but he's obviously really talented. And man, you look back at that draft, the Jets taking Zach Wilson, the 49ers taking Trey Lance. I think those teams probably have a lot of regrets at this point. They didn't do what, what seemed to me obvious at the time and take Justin Fields. I thought you looked at that draft. Trevor Lawrence was far and away the top prospect. I still think Trevor Lawrence is going to be really good. And I think you're finally starting to see now what Trevor Lawrence is capable of down there in Jacksonville. Was in a terrible situation last year. And now with Doug Peterson um, giving him tutelage, Trevor Lawrence is really coming along. And I still think he's going to be a great quarterback. But going into that draft, I, I couldn't believe Justin Fields wasn't the you know, consensus and the no doubt number two pick. I mean, this was a kid who was tremendous in college, carved up Clemson in the college football playoff game that year. I mean, absolutely destroyed that Clemson defense and uh, he's that entire Chicago Bears offense. And he took a lot of punishment yesterday, kept on coming. So I give him a lot of credit. But you look at the Eagles defense, that defensive line is just monstrous. And I think when you look at this team, it's maybe the part of this team that we don't talk about enough. You know, we talk so much about the offense and obviously the offensive line and Jalen Hurts and the receivers, rightfully so. You talk about the defense and a lot of the talk has been about the secondary with Darius Slay and James Bradbury and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. But man, this defensive line doesn't get discussed enough. And you look at yesterday, maybe the best defensive addition of the offseason for any team was Hassan Reddick. I mean, you look at what he has done. This guy is just an extremely talented player. And the Eagles, to get him on the contract, they got him on the offseason, was pretty remarkable. I mean, three years, $45 million, $15 million a year for a guy who now has double-digit sacks in three consecutive seasons. I mean, I, I don't understand how he keeps being let go by teams. I mean, Arizona utilized him wrong the first couple years of his career gets double-digit sacks, they move on, he goes to Carolina, gets double-digit sacks there, I don't know why they didn't bring him back, but they let him go, and the Eagles end up getting him on a very reasonable deal, and you just watch Hassan Reddick week after week, these offensive tackles just have no chance against them. I mean, Alex Leatherwood yesterday, and Alex Leatherwood is no stiff here, I mean, this is a guy who played at Alabama, was a first-round pick a few years ago, he had no chance against Hassan Reddick. I mean, Reddick was just beating him to the outside repeatedly over and over and over again. Um, so he was tremendous. He has been a tremendous addition to this team this year. On the other side, I mean, Josh Sweat, Josh Sweat and Javon Hargrave yesterday, these defensive tackle, defensive end stunts that those two guys are running were just things of, of beauty the way they were on the same page. And how many times you see Josh Sweat just stunt get up the middle, come free, and just lay a hit on Justin Fields. He had multiple sacks. Hargrave had a couple sacks yesterday. And these are the guys we don't even typically talk about on this defensive line. You know, Reddick certainly does, but Josh Sweat, another guy, double-digit sacks. Don't talk about him nearly enough. You know, Hargrave, I think, has been extremely underrated for years. Hargrave has been a tremendous signing. The Eagles brought him in in the 2020 offseason, right after the pandemic hit. It was one of those moves kind of went under the radar. You know, I think he had a really good 2020 season, kind of got lost in the shuffle because of all, you know, the Wentz and Doug nonsense that year that kind of threw that season off. Last year got off to a slow start with an injury, but finished really strong. And this year, Hargrave's been great. 
He has been absolutely tremendous. And you look at the depth the Eagles have on that defensive line. It's the biggest difference from this year to last year. And it's one of the most important things that helped this team win a Super Bowl in 2017 and what they were lacking. Not the frontline talent, but the depth. When you can go as deep as they can on the defensive line, where you have Redick, you have Sweat, okay, they need to come out for a snap. Brandon Graham comes on the field. Brandon Graham, 34 years old, still playing at an extremely high level. Fletcher Cox, not what he used to be, still a productive player. Then you got Javon Hargrave and Jordan Davis and Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue, who have just, you know, kind of reinforced this defensive line. It's guys with versatility. It's guys that can do a lot of different things. And how about we give some credit to Jonathan Gannon? I was glad Assam Reddick talked about this after the game. Assam Reddick after the game is being asked about why he's having all this success, and he credits the coaching staff, Tracy Tracy Rocker, Jeremiah Washburn, and also Jonathan Gannon. He said Jonathan Gannon is one of the best defensive coaches he's been around because he listens to his players. And again, like, uh, you know, I think, I, I mean, I don't think, I know, the Jonathan Gannon criticism has been outrageous, and I hate to keep coming back and, and mentioning the same guy here, but, I mean, Seth Joyner with, with the Jonathan Gannon stuff is, is embarrassing, honestly. I mean, Jonathan Gannon's done a tremendous job with this defense. And again, like last year, he took a lot of criticism. Guy didn't have the talent. What was he supposed to do with the talent on that defense last year? You see the talent this year. You see the defense working better. You see it being more aggressive. And you don't need to blitz every play. Like, you have a front. The key in the NFL these days, you don't win by blitzing consistently. You just don't. It's not the way you win in this day and age in the NFL. You win by having a front four that can get after the passer and having good corners on the outside and having good secondary. That's how you win. You make, you stop the run, you make teams throw, you get them in second and third and long situations. And that's what the Eagles have done. And they have guys that in those situations can get after the passer. So Jonathan Gannon, a tremendous job and another just tremendous game from this defense as well. But I also need to acknowledge that this is in some ways a bittersweet victory. Because you look around the NFL, one of the other big developments on Sunday, the Cowboys lose to Jacksonville. And obviously that's good for the Eagles. Puts the Eagles in a great position. But I'm not going to lie to you, man. It really is disappointing. The, the way that this almost renders that Dallas game meaningless next Saturday on Christmas Eve. I mean, how exciting was it to think about, you know, watching Eagles Cowboys Christmas Eve and and you're doing all the family stuff and to have this game on this huge consequential football game. It's very inconsequential now. And you look at it and I saw uh, Elliot Shoreparks, our Eagles reporter here at 94 WIP, tweet this out on Monday that Eagles' chances as of now to get home field advantage, or, or as of now, are 99% to get home field advantage. They're going to get the one seed. They're going to have home field. If they lose the Dallas on Saturday, their chances go to 98%. I mean, that, that's, that means this game doesn't matter. And that is really disappointing, you know, considering the stakes this could have had. And obviously, it's great the Eagles are going to have home field advantage. There's no doubt about that. But I'm not going to lie. I mean, with especially all the talk going back and forth about the Cowboys, Micah Parsons, all this stuff, I wanted that game to matter. I wanted that game to mean something. It really doesn't now. I mean, if the Eagles, the Eagles remaining schedule, they're at Dallas, and then they come home, they finish the season with two games at home against the New Orleans Saints and the New York Giants. 
All they need to do, the only thing they need to do to clinch home field is win one of those three games. And even if they lost all three of those games, um, they'd still likely clinch anyway. Because all they need is Dallas to lose one of their final games, and, and I think Minnesota to lose one of their final games, and they clinch home field advantage. So they're going to have home field. Um, if you look at it honestly, the game that the Eagles would be incentivized to win, even more than the Dallas game, is the New Orleans game. Like, that's the most important game because you beat Dallas, great. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. You get home field advantage. But if you beat New Orleans, you not only clinch, if, say, you lost to Dallas the week before, but again, you give New Orleans another loss, and that draft pick that you own, that first-round pick of New Orleans that you own, gains even more value and goes higher up in the draft. So it's crazy how this thing has worked out. But the Eagles are going to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And I will say, it does give you a little level of concern. And, and you know, uh, some people out there, oh, you're just looking for a reason to be worried. There's nothing to be worried about. But I will say, it does, I think, concern me a little bit. The lack of meaningful football this team is going to be playing over the next five weeks or so. Because you look at it, if they are to beat the Cowboys Saturday, and obviously you want to win the game, you want to clinch as early as possible. The Eagles won't have a meaningful football game in about a month. Because Saints and Giants games will be rendered meaningless. Then you have the bye week. And then you come back for divisional weekend. I mean, it's not a situation where I think you can just beat the Cowboys and say, okay, Jalen starters, we'll see you in the playoffs. No, they're going to have to play against New Orleans, if anything, just to stay fresh. I, I would doubt any of the starters played in that final game against the Giants. Uh, I think that's probably unlikely to happen at this point. I don't think anybody's really going to play in that game, but that does worry you a little bit here. It's just the lack of meaningful football because you can get out of a rhythm. And in the NFL playoffs, it's obviously not like other sports. You have one bad day, you're done. Like, it, it's not like these other sports where you get in a serious situation and you have an opportunity where you lose game one, okay, come out, you bounce back, and you, you win the series. No, you have one bad day, it's over. So that is a little concerning to me, the lack of, of meaningful football this team is going to play over a multi-week span here. Obviously, you, you prioritize health. I mean, I'm not saying you play your guys against the Giants. I think you need to play them against the Saints um, at least a half or so, but I'm not playing them against the Giants at all. Um, because you want to prioritize health. But I am worried about that, especially when you're probably facing a team that's hot and a team coming off a postseason win. And that's why you look at the playoff picture here, and it's setting up very interesting. And obviously, a big result last night, huge win for the Giants uh, over the Commanders, really poor officiating at the end of that game. You know, that final drive, you, you know, you call the illegal formation against Washington. And I get it. Like, the guy was lined up off the ball, even though he looked like he checked with the ref, McLaurin, and the ref looked like he said he was fine, even though the ref, uh, in the end, called the penalty. You want to call that fine. I think it's pretty ticky-tack in that spot, but fine. But you call that penalty, and then you don't call a blatant pass interference on fourth down. you got to have consistency, and that's why I'm watching that game. And it's driving me nuts as Chris Collinsworth is talking about, well, you know, you got to know the refs are going to swallow their whistle in that spot on the fourth down. They just called an illegal formation for a guy being lined up half yard off the line of scrimmage two plays earlier. 
So it's like if you're going to call one ticky-tack penalty, you got to call the blatant penalty two plays later. You know, and and forget the fact that whether I had Washington uh, plus seven and a half in that game uh, as a live bet, which I did. But still, it's like, come on, man. Like, you got to have some level of consistency. Regardless, huge win for the Giants. Um, they jump into the sixth seed in the NFC for now, and you project forward. Uh, it's interesting because the Eagles, as they go into the playoffs, they are likely to play one of three teams in that first playoff game in the divisional round. Tampa-Dallas is extremely likely to be the 4-5 matchup. Tampa, man, they are bad. Somebody's got to win that division. Um, but Tampa and Dallas are likely going to be the 4-5 matchup. You could play the winner of that game, or you could play the seven seed, which could be Washington. It could be Seattle. It could be Detroit. And, I mean, I would love to see from a viewing perspective, I'd just love to see Detroit get in. I think they're a fun team to watch play. I like Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff has honestly got kind of a bad rap through the course of his career. I think he's a better quarterback than he's gotten credit for. But, you know, when you look at those teams, um, one of those teams will probably play Minnesota, either Minnesota or San Francisco, likely Minnesota in the first round. I think any of those teams can beat Minnesota. I really do. In the end, I think Minnesota probably disposes of any of those teams and you're likely to get uh, the Dallas-Tampa winner. So you could very well see Dallas again in a few weeks at the link, and I think that's likely. Um, and when you look at the playoffs and that seven seed, I think the Giants are going to get in now. I think that last night was such a big win for them. They're now 8-5-1. and one. They probably get in. And the seven seed, I think we're going to see for the first time in NFL history, all teams from one division make the playoffs. I think it's going to be the commanders. As I said, I want the Lions to get in. But they would probably need to go undefeated to do that. And I just feel like they're going to slip up at some point. They don't have a really difficult schedule. But I hate to say it, but they're the Lions. And the Lions, you're always expecting a hiccup at some point. And I think, you know, all those teams probably go 2-1. And that tie could really work the Washington's advantage. Seattle and Detroit both 7-7. Seven and seven. The Commanders 7-6-1. Seven, um, I think the commanders are going to be beneficiaries of that final week of the season. That Dallas game is likely to mean nothing for them. So Dallas probably sits there, guys, uh, when they play at Washington. And I think Washington kind of backs their way in that way is they win a game in which, you know, Cooper Rush and the Cowboys backups are, are, are starting. So I think it's probably going to be Washington and the Vikings in the first round. Uh, that's another interesting matchup. I do think that's a winnable game for Washington. I think the Vikings probably win it, but the Vikings are such a weird team. It's very hard to project how they are going to come out week to week. But you look at the NFC, I still think the most dangerous team to the Eagles is San Francisco. Just the way they play, the way they defend, um, they could give the Eagles offensive problems. If Chicago gave the Eagles offensive problems, you know San Francisco will. D'Amico Ryan's done a tremendous job. I still think the Eagles probably beat anybody they play in the NFC. Uh but some interesting matchups here. And I do think, uh, if you look forward, I think the Cowboys, Giants, and Commanders all get those wild card spots. But a good uh, week of football. What a win for the Eagles. And as I said, Dallas week, the only downside is the game means very little at this point. But that'll do it for Trash Talk with TK. Eagles, uh, Bears, recap episode. Thank you for listening. I'll be on WIP this week variety of different times. I'll be on Tuesday into Wednesday filling on the overnight show. I'll be in Thursday night with Howard Eskin from 6 to 7.30. Uh, I'll be on midday Friday uh, filling in for Joe and John from 10 to 2. And then Christmas Eve morning, I'll be in for Howard 
uh, 8 to 10 a.m. So I'm all over the place this week. I'll tweet out when I'm on. Make sure to listen. Thank you for joining me here on Trash Talk with TK. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.